always keep in mind that the superego is a total delusion. There's no reality to it, and it has no power except that which you give it. The same is true for the seeming effects of the superego, which include attacks on the body, in which there will be symptoms of suffering of one kind or another, or anxiety attacks, or anything else. It is all a delusion, a hysterical delusion. It's very important to keep that in mind at the moment that it arises and not give any validity to it. It's interesting that psychoanalysis also came to this conclusion a hundred years ago. But they didn't carry the analysis far enough. And analysis, the theory of psychoanalysis, has evolved a lot since the days of Freud. His main successor, I would say, immediate successor, was a woman named Melanie Klein. And Melanie Klein wasn't interested in Freud's idea that the father was the whole problem. And he thought that everything revolved, she thought that everything revolved around the mother. She minimized Freud's work with the father and said, no, no, it all really happens before the Oedipus complex. And that the real problem with pathology is that people who are ostensibly grown-ups want to remain babies. They literally want to breastfeed and they consider the mother the breast, and they will not tolerate the fact that that breast is long gone and has no milk in it. And because it has no milk in it, of course, they have to turn it into a bad breast in their fantasy. That's withholding the milk and the warmth and the cuddling that they want. And so they'll imagine a bad breast attacking them just in order to make sure mommy is nearby. She's right there, there's the proof. And one is still a little baby. With the vain hope that if I become a pitiable baby creature, that the good breast will appear and have pity and give me what I'm looking for. Of course, that never happens. I think Melanie Klein's analysis was accurate as far as it went, but obviously not far enough. Because not only is that baby a delusion and the fantasy of the breast that I think she deliberately makes so obvious and gross that one wants to be disgusted by the fact that they're holding on to such a fantasy of wanting to be a nursling again when you're instead of the adult that you really are. But of course the real problem is that in this culture one never grows out of the idea that one is not even just a human adult, but pure consciousness.
But now that we have a postmodern culture, it's much worse than in Melanie Klein's day. And her theory is obsolete because of that shift and Lacanian theory has taken its place. Which is that in this culture nowadays, there's not even any grown-ups. And so nobody at all wants to grow up even in their conscious mind. They want to remain at home with their parents until they're 50, not just an imagined breast, but an actual pair of them in their form of their mother. And they want to remain enmeshed without ever assuming not only their adulthood, but their true nature. And the individual is not interested in knowing that we are infinite, eternal consciousness. Because the mind has been taken over by the puer complex, named by Carl Jung, the Peter Pan complex, wanting to remain the irresponsible child. And never wanting the information about being a grown-up. At least earlier, people wanted the information, and the psychoanalytic interpretation used to have some effect, if only to shame people into letting go of the fantasy. But now none of that has any effect, and no one's even interested in psychoanalysis which is not a bad thing because psychoanalysis has been rightly called the disease of which it claims to be the cure. Why? Because it maintains and depends on the transference, which is the acceptance of the fantasy now transferred onto the analyst. Both the fantasy of being a dependent child and of never having to grow up but you can lie passively on the couch and say whatever you want and have a temper tantrum to your analyst. And as long as you keep paying him, he'll put up with it. And so no one ever grows up in that process. Because no one can assume for you your own responsibility to realize yourself. And no one can ever convince you that you are not a child or the body or the personality or a limited creature that wants to remain a pitiable victim in order to get the sympathy and not have to work and pull the load in an adult life and not have to transcend even that illusion to discover your godhood. No one can convince you to do that if you are within the delusion and you desire to hold on to it. But the moment you recognize the delusion as delusion, and everyone does, everyone says that I've ever worked with has always said, I know this is irrational, but... I'm going to choose to believe it anyway. (laughs) They know. They're making a free choice. 
They're not ruled by a superego. There's no power that rules one. One's choosing to play along with a script that is comfortable to never have to face the real on its own terms and to never have to be real, to never have to live in good faith, to be authentic, but to always pretend that one is something one is not. Because there are always side benefits to that pretense and an excuse for claiming your true self-realization. But there is no excuse. And one who's doing that is only cheating themselves. Now Freud wasn't entirely wrong because in his day, the father was still, the patriarchy hadn't crumbled entirely like it has now. And the father was still an emblem of the mythical phallus, which has nothing to do with a genital organ, but has to do with being a symbol of power, like the Shiva Lingam. In fact, it is the Shiva Lingam in Western dress, but interpreted, misinterpreted by Freud as something much less, and misinterpreted by his patients as something much less. And so in those days, the child would not grow up until daddy would give that phallus, transmit, pass the torch. And if he didn't, well, then the hell with it. I'll show him I'll never grow up. and I'll get even by being a weakling and blame him for it. And the whole world will know that he didn't do his job. Another wonderful fantasy that frees you from all responsibility for your life. And that still goes on. And of course, the daughter wants, the, wants to have a child by the father to prove her goodness and her love. And even though she'll accept a father's substitute via transference with some husband or partner, nonetheless, she's never interested in the partner. It's only in the child as the proof that she has now received the mythical gift, which of course always proves a disappointment and as soon as the child realizes it's a disappointment, of course, it's ruined for life. And it's going to fall into the same feeling of lack and fantasy, etc. And this curse gets passed on from generation to generation. Until where we are where we're now, where no one has any desire really to live. Certainly not to live a true divine life. And uh, is governed by the death drive, either a quick or a very slow suicide by obliteration of the real self, which can be obliterated behind drugs, sex, rock and roll, or obsessive thinking, or depression, or anxiety. Take your pick, everybody has their drug of choice. But it all comes down to the same thing, that we buy into a delusion that separates us from the bliss that we are. And why would we cheat ourselves of that? Only because we mistook the culture for being real and we're getting vengeance on the culture by being antisocial.
but it's this culture that teaches you to be antisocial. So everybody who thinks they're rebelling against the society is actually following the command of the society. The society teaches you to be pathological and not to realize your greatness. So until we throw out all of those false messages from the social, perverse order that rules Kali Yuga, we can't create a Sat Yuga. We have to regain our power. We have it, but we have to claim it. And then this illusion of a world will completely transform to reflect the divinity of our being, not the perverse hatred in our being, which it's reflected in with all of the killing off of the species of life, the destruction of the environment. The world is reflecting back to us the state of ego consciousness. And instead of getting the message, we go more into denial and blaming others. Whereas no one's responsible for this except all of us. This is a collective issue. Don't blame the 1% as the Wall Street movement is doing. What about the 99%? How do they let that happen? Now they want to scapegoat the 1%. Of course the 1% are obvious villains, but they were allowed to be there. The structure was created collectively. So it can't be fought. It's the same thing we talked about before. I want to fight the system that I have created, and I'm not going to stop creating it and believing in it, and, and being an embodiment of a weak ego in order to help it change. Don't blame anyone, but your choice not to realize that you are the Supreme Being. And if enough of us, even a small group of us, live in Arunachala, in God Consciousness, we can make this a microcosm of Satyuga. It's already starting to happen. But this is just the beginning of the miracles that could be created even by a very small group because each of us is infinite. And so let's not limit our potential or the potential for the transformation of this world that occurs only in our consciousness and know that we can bring about the highest, most beautiful world but it has to be a true reflection of what we really recognize ourselves to be. If you do not claim your God consciousness, the world cannot be anything but a wreck, a ruin, a devastated, barren planet. You know, Hollywood is on to all this. When they make a, a film like Planet of the Apes, they're describing our consciousness in its current form. 
They know, but somehow no one's willing to say the emperor has no clothes and the ego doesn't even exist. But we are free and we are infinite and our unlimited consciousness has the power to create heaven on earth. May we choose to do that before we're no longer here to do that. Each of us has a limited time of embodiment in which that power can be activated. Then it's over. And the world, although an illusion, is filled with suffering and oppression. And how long do we want to be responsible for that? Until we end our self-oppression via the superego attacks and the failure to recognize our infinite self. We can't expect anything to change. So each of us must make that decision and the freedom of our own heart. But it's very important not to play dumb and to pretend you don't have any power when you have all the power. <clears throat> and any thought that tells you that you don't is a lie, a self-deception. So that you don't leave the ego behind and grow up into your true divine being. Kali Yuga is destroying itself. It has a very short lifespan left. But will there be a Sat Yuga to follow it? Will there be a dawn of a new age or will it be a dud like the sunset? <laughs> <laughs> Mother Nature was showing us you can have it either way. There can be a devastated, barren, dead planet from our karma. Sure, a Sat Yuga will happen somewhere, somewhere else. God won't allow this creation to be extinguished. But this planet is expendable unless we recognize our true God consciousness and live it authentically, fully, without buts, ifs, or asterisks, or any hesitation, or split-mindedness. You've all come here because you know all of this already. None of this is news to anyone. But why come here and then pretend you have to do battle with some illusory demons and this will take years? The world doesn't have years. We don't have years. We have eternity, but we don't have many years. 
And it's only when the eternal presence is embodied that it can affect this world. From beyond, no effect can be had. The beyond must descend into your bodies. That's what these human bodies are for. They're not for an ego to usurp. The ego is a mind parasite that is feeding off your life energy. It has no reality, and you're going to identify with the parasite against your own interests and not realize you are the host and you belong to the Lord of hosts. And the only way out is to claim your power. You have it. You can dissolve the parasite, destroy it utterly with a single moment of realization and be free and fulfill the true mission of a human being, which is to realize itself as divine being. That's called being an avatar. We have been called here because the collective needs avatars, not just one, but an energy field filled with them. An energy field strong enough and pure enough and beautiful enough to awaken, enlighten, and transform everyone. Either this is the lighthouse that the world is waiting for in the darkness of Kali Yuga, or it's pointless. And the light must be the light of all of us together as one. And the light must never blink. It must be the eternal flame, the Ner Tamid. We are that. If you're Jewish, fulfill the real mitzvah, which is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy might, thy soul. And to do that will make you the Ner Tamid, because to love is to be at one with God. Let every day be Yom Kippur. And if you're Christian, realize the teaching is that I and the Father are one, not two. Christ did not mess around with that, but he meant that for all of us. Each of us is the Christ. If we choose that freely, which we have the freedom to do, And all of us here are instantly recognizable as liberated beings. It's simply coming out of a trance and truly awakening. And the nightmare of history is over because it's only that. May you all choose to awaken. And the only time that awakening can happen, which is now.
Thank you for listening to Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti, recorded live at the Sat Yoga Ashram in Costa Rica. To join us for a life-changing meditation retreat, or to make a donation to support this transformational work, please visit our website, www.satyoga.org. To access more teachings or guided meditations from Shunyamurti, please visit the members section of our website or our YouTube channel, Sat Yoga Institute. Namaste.